Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 508, Mr. Summit. Uh, it's got to be a Breeders' Cup. Huzzah! Hey, now. Uh, I'm excited. This is one of our biggest shows of the year. One of our, uh, I think, best shows of the year that doesn't involve chicanery and shenanigans. Uh, yeah, Breeders' Cup Saturday, pick five. And and not just any pick five. A pick five where the middle leg is the classic, and then it goes turf sprint and sprint at the end of it. So uh, we bypassed the mile. Woo! Thank you. Uh, interesting sequence. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I kind of liked it. We're turf sprint and the sprint in the last two races. Uh, the classic to me is a cluster. So I'm looking forward to talking through this with you. I, you'll see by my ticket. I'm going six deep in the classic, which uh, I was kind of surprised by. Did not expect to do that when we saw the pre-entries come out. But here we are just a, a week. Well, not even a week away. What are we three days away from the Breeders' Cup Classic here? And I think it is probably the most wide open race on saturday which is absolutely nuts to say because we've got a lot of very wide open races but the post draw really changed my mind about this one yeah scratching my head because i don't understand anything you just said google gobble google gobble blankety blank that's what that sound like yeah. yeah yeah i mean some shenanigans i'm just i was trying to open it up for the audience that isn't used to us chris and try to tell them this is going to be serious we're already off <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I got a 10 to 1 on top in the Classic. That's how big a shenanigans we're going to get. Oh, boy. <laughs> Duckman's six deep in the Classic. Patrick's three deep in the Classic. Ed at least says he agrees. He's not telling you how deep he's going, but he is agreeing that it's uh, deep. I, yeah, I went too deep, almost singled because, well, you know, why not? It's me. Uh, very different opinion on that racing. Uh, than you do there uh all right let's see we've got breeders cup saturday late pick five it's races seven eight nine ten eleven that's distaff turf classic turf sprint and the sprint you ready buddy oh let's rock riders up Here we go the first leg of the late pick five saturday november 4th at santa anita park uh, race seven the two million dollar distaff 11 fillies and mares three and up routing mile and eighth on the main track where'd you go on top whoo let's start out with a little bit of a price give me a three horse pretty mischievous here eight to one um as i kind of went through this race i i feel like there is quite a bit of speed here so it's going to set up for someone to be able to come off from off the pace and when i went through the closers to me three really jumped out right the three pretty mischievous the seven wet paint the nine clarier um i respect the heck out of clarier i'm not going to use her here and I, i'm guessing you probably are i don't see your ticket yet in there but she has the races good enough to win i'm just wondering if she's a cut below some of the other horses that are in here considering the style or the, or the, the way that they are running right now pretty mischievous i realize doesn't have that that banger of a race that jumps off the page she did win the kentucky oaks but the number wasn't there I think she's going to get a nice trip here, and I think she's going to take a step forward. I like the 8-1 to price. I think the setup is absolutely perfect for her. Love the draw with the three posts where she's going to be able to save ground and be able to make a run at the end. So I'm going to go with the three pretty mischievous on top. It's a lukewarm opinion, but I, I think she's got a big chance here at a nice price. I used her as well. Not my top pick. I went too deep here, and I think uh, we saw all year long that this was the most consistent three-year-old filly, really, that we had. I mean, you know, Maple Leaf Mel... 
is the only track that or only horse that beat her on fast dirt all summer long and, and Maple Leaf Mel could you know very easily have won the Philly Mare Sprint she was just so fast and I'm willing to forgive the slop last time out wasn't to her liking that's fine we're not going to have that at Santa Anita Park you know like you said there's going to be pace to chase and I think that she's got that like that correct running style to take full advantage of a pace meltdown and you're right yes Clarier is my other pick here my top pick in here Class wins out in the distaff. That's one of the reasons I love Pretty Mischievous as well, right? She's got four wins this year. Three of them are grade ones. Like, say what you want about the test. It's a grade one win that she's got on her resume. Clarier, four-time grade one winner. Uh, this is her third attempt at this race. Two years ago, she lost by three quarters of a length. She was fourth, but she was right there at the wire. Last year, broke Dr. Miranda and I's heart. She lost by a head. She is so talented, and, and she has so many clunkers at Saratoga that when I see that she didn't run well last time, I'm like... Yeah, but Saratoga, screw it. I don't care. Like, she's so bad at Saratoga sometimes and bounces right back in her next start. I'm going to use Clarier here. Uh, one last start for the old gal. Let's get her out on top. Yeah, I I just have I still have the pictures of that race on November 6, 2021 at Del Mar, where she uh, ran fourth. And really, that race collapsed. And Malathat or Clarier should have won it. Neither of them could get to the front. And I just keep thinking about that. And someone's sniping her off. And I, I just... They were three. They were babies. She's five now. Maybe yeah, about well, that was four. That that may not be a great thing because yes, the last two were both at Saratoga. They were not great. She's got to find a way to rebound off those in a big way if she's going to be able to make it make it fix some noise here. And I just feel like she's going to get bet to a point where I'm not interested in putting her on the ticket. And that was a, a big reason of why I didn't have her here. I am going to use Idiomatic, who I think is the speed of the speed. I would expect search results are randomized is going to go with her i wouldn't be shocked if hoosier philly shows some pace from the rail but there is a world where she gets loose and if idiomatic gets loose she's she's very likely gone she's going to be very tough up front if she's able to do it so for me it's really about how this pace plays out i want to have horses coming from off it but the only horse that could get loose in my mind i don't see any way anybody but idiomatic gets loose right i mean a dare manor could try and go but idiomatic's faster search results isn't going to get loose randomized isn't going to get loose it's just idiomatic so if any of the speed horses that's the only one i want so three and the four idiomatic and pretty mischief the must uses and i i fell for it again magic i fell for wet paint one more time i'm gonna i'm gonna use the seven wet paint here who was hype beyond belief as early in the three-year-old campaign. She went into that uh, that Kentucky Oaks as your favorite, of sub $2. She's actually been the favorite in every race except for one in her last seven. I love the setup for her here, and that to me is a big part of it. Flavian Pratt stays aboard. He knows the track well. If there is a pace collapse, this is the one that I think has the best chance to absolutely fly home and chase them down. I think Pretty Mischievous sits a little bit closer. I think Wet Paint's going to be out the back, but if I'm correct that this is going to be a fast pace, out the back isn't such a bad thing, even at Santa Anita. So I'm going to go two, three, seven, or three, four, seven, and see if we can get a price home here in the first leg. Uh, I respect the idiomatic use. Uh, I understand why. I think if one horse gets loose and takes this gate to wire, that's the one to do it. You didn't mention the one Hoosier Philly, who's got Luis Saez riding, and uh, time form projects is just as fast right up there with uh idiomatic and Adair manor now we haven't seen her always go to the lead but she has done it she almost won the black eyed susan gate to wire and then followed that up doing it at ellis park so do you have any concern with especially a speed a talented speed jockey on the rail horse here and so now that's a three-way battle up front i think that you're going to see uh, who's your philly I i'm gonna say defaults herself to the lead she doesn't go for the lead and so i i think who's your philly will break well i think idiomatic's just faster and Hoosier Philly will be completely content 
with Sai as a board to sit in the pocket, right? Right behind whatever type of speed develops. Adair Manor, another one that I think is going to go. So in my mind, what we see here is that Idiomatic goes, Adair Manor goes, who's your Philly pockets up behind them? And then you have search results and randomized kind of sitting in, in that second, two wide, three wide in that second group. And after the first turn, Adair Manor backs off of Idiomatic and then either Idiomatic is able to slow it down enough to get loose or it really sets up well for the horses coming from off it. So I don't, I, I respect the speed from Hoosier Philly, but I don't think it's, it's lead speed from Hoosier Philly. I think it's tactical speed where she just wants to sit on the rail behind the pace setters. Cause I don't see a world where Hoosier Philly can take this field gate to wire. I don't think Saez does either. So I think it's a situation where you want to pocket up and then see if you can get first run, save ground, both turns and just have enough left to hold off those horses that are coming from the back. Uh, weapon, I understand you. I didn't fall for it, but you're getting 10 to one and you know that, um, She's going to take back and make her run, and she's got Pratt back aboard. So, you know, reasons to like her there. Uh, I, I, none of us are touching Adair Manor I, for the same reason, I believe. It's, you know, she's California speed. She's been beating four and five horse fields all year long. And when she faces bigger than a five horse field, well, she loses to Teddy's yeah. Barino. Who? Exactly. Yeah, she's, she's a, a takeout reducer in my mind here. Like, look. She's done. She's been phenomenal in California, but we've seen this this story before. When these California Phillies, even in California, take on the best from the East Coast, it doesn't go well for them. Specifically, the older groups, the younger groups. We have seen situations where the younger California Phillies can be successful, but these Phillies and mares, when they go two turns against the horses on the East Coast, they get destroyed. And I I just don't see. First off, there's not a race on paper that makes Adair Manor a competitor in this. Right, every single number that you look at, time form or buyer doesn't put her with the top horses at the finish line. And I don't see any way you can project her to make a big jump forward with pretty mischievous or with wet paint. I could make an argument that they could take a step forward and run their career best race. I don't really see how you can make that argument with the dare manner. And she needs to do that to be able to win. If there was no speed in here. All right, we can talk about it, but there is, she's not the fastest horse and there are other speed in here. So for me, I just, I don't know why she's four to one. I actually, I do. It's the connections. It's the fact that she has mm -hmm. won quite a few races in California. I wouldn't play her. I mean, I, I kind of agree with, with Christopher here. Like she should be like 15 to one. I mean, that, that is a fair odds in my mind for a dare manor, not around four to one because she's got to improve to win this race. Well, like you said, takeout reducer is how we're going to see her there. Uh, and I saw somebody ask about search results. I think she's got a good chance to hit the board. I just, I think she sits a good pocket trip and then the, uh, the better closers get past her in the stretch, but that's our thoughts on the distaff. Next up, race eight, the second leg of the late pick five. This is the six, $4 million uh, Breeders' Cup turf. We have uh, 12 males plus the war mayor, plus the mayor, Warlight Goddess, my goodness. Going a mile and a half, starting on the downhill turf course. Mike, save me here. Yeah, I went shorter here. First off, glad we get the downhill turf course here. So we do get it, at least in a Breeders' Cup race, you get to see them cross, but it's not going to be overly effective on the overall results of the race. But we get to at least use the downhill turf course, which is nice. Um, I am, I'm going to be a chalk eating weasel in this race. I, I kind of spun my wheels quite a bit. I wanted to use a couple long shots here, but I went back and watched replays and, and man, August Rodin is really freaking good. I mean, this is a horse at three that has a wild amount of upside. Uh, it's Aiden O'Brien horse coming over here. They clearly were targeting this race and <laughs> talked about how this horse is going to appreciate the firm going, that that's going to be a positive. Uh, you take out the race two back where the horse was eased in a grade one King George and really has done absolutely nothing wrong in the career. There's one other bad race, but that was awful layoff as well and just didn't really seem to like the going. Everything else, this horse has absolutely looked phenomenal. 
Uh, six wins and nine career starts, one second place as well, and then those two off-the-board finishes that I think both were easily excusable. The other second-place finish, by the way, came in the debut. So it's not like this horse is... This horse has just been phenomenal since we, we were introduced to it. I think you're going to get a monster run from August Rodin here. So I've got the five on top. And then, look, I, I mean, Mostadoff has done absolutely nothing wrong. The horse looks phenomenal as well when you watch replays. To me, it's those two. If I was going to go any deeper here, I'd start looking at King of Steel. I'd start looking at Onesto. What jumped out to me when watching replays, and I'd love your take on this as well, uh, up to the mark and Warlike Goddess are, are behind the eight ball here. It's going to be tough for either of them to be able to win this race from the North American contingent. It will. And I have no, I had no interest in Warlike Goddess before she got post 13 uh, in this spot. But and yeah, I top, same top two horses for me. Flip them. I have most of Duff on top, but uh, respect uh, August Rodan. Uh, Aiden O'Brien said this was his best athlete that he was bringing over in the entire group. Biggest concern for most of Duff for me. Uh, at this distance, a mile and a half, he's 0 for 4 on the turf. He does have a win at this distance on synthetic in a group 2 or a group 3. But the one kind of caveat there also, he was 0 for 4 at the distance on turf. He was always in like group 1, group 2, super elite company. So he was facing horses like Equinox. You know, that's the only time that uh, he's lost this year is he faced Equinox, who literally broke the world record by almost a second for this distance. Um, so there's nothing really to dislike about him other than that kind of glaring mark. But from replays, I thought Mostadoff stood out just a little bit, but it's 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 really it's that much of a margin for me between these two. Uh, yeah, who do you I, think goes off favored? Do you think it's going to be Rodan? No, I think it's going to be Mostadoff. Okay, I, I think Mostadoff is going to be a favorite. I, I think up to the mark and Rodan are going to be that kind of co second choice, uh, and then King of Steel is going to go off as your fourth choice. Um, and King of Steel, by the way, another one I would highly recommend people watch replays on. Uh, this horse is is also very, very good. Has run very close to Rodan a couple times as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would respect the heck out of King of Steel too uh, because I think that horse has a big shot. And and honestly, like Onesto, the two horses, another one I'd watch. The replay two back, I mean, this horse got absolutely shut off and I think was probably as good as August, August Rodan that day as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'm like, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with this, with Ed's comment here. It's the Europeans for me here, the, the two, the five, the nine, the 11. And that's, you know, not any groundbreaking analysis. The Europeans usually <laughs> do well on the turf. But when you go back and you watch these replays, and then you compare it to what you've seen from up to the mark. You compare it to what you've seen from Warlike Goddess, who probably the best two shots for the for the North American contingent in here. Uh, it, it's going to take a career best effort to beat all four of these horses. And if if one of them shows up with the A plus effort, I, I think that that horse is your winner. I, I think it's, you know, to me, it's a pretty clear structure here. The five of the nine are the best two horses. We'll see if they're going to be best on this day, but they have the best body of work. When you watch the replays, they're the best two horses. The 11 to me has the most upside and the two is also very good. And so there's, there's a clear set of tiers for me here where because of how deep I want to go in the next two races, I only went too deep here, but I wouldn't talk anyone off using the 11 or the nine. If you want to shrink down my classics, I am going six deep in the classic two and 11. You mean the nine's most enough. I'm sorry. Yes. The two and the 11. Yeah. Good. I used both of them as well. Uh, King of Steel, third pick for me. And a big reason, Frankie DeTori rode him last out at Ascot. And it was the first time DeTori had been on him all year. And after that win, he was convinced. Look at the date, October 21st. This That's is a three-year-old with huge upside as a four-year-old. And he told these connections, these high pro higher-profile connections overseas, send him to the Breeders' Cup. I know he's lost to August Rodin multiple times. Send him to the Breeders' Cup anyway. 
that to me is a huge sign of praise uh, mm-hmm. from Frankie Dettori. So I'm going to use him there. By the way, that win uh, was against older horses and it was on yielding turf, but he does have the firm win back at Royal Ascot uh, to kind of back up his form as well. As far as Onesto, uh, he missed second by a nose in the arc and he's eight to one. And that kind of also speaks to the talent level of August Rodin and, and uh, Mostadov here in King of Steel. But this horse... Second, missed second by nose in the arc. And the horse that beat him, world-class turf horse, would mm-hmm. be a top contender for this turf race here. Uh, at age three, won a group one in France at the distance and a group two at a mile and five sixteenths. So I love that I'm getting these nice prices. I like this inner side post, although they're coming down the turf course, so it really doesn't matter wonky. that much. Yeah, it's a little wonky, but uh, I think the French have a good shot here with Onesto. And then just because this is the deepest leg that I had, it didn't really cost me much more to throw on up to the mark. And I'll tell you what, Chris Maiello, I don't know if Frank Miramati is going to have his finger on the button for this, but if up to the mark wins this race, I bet you, you will hear Real American blasting from my cell phone as I'm celebrating because I had him on my ticket here. He is by far the best American, right? The fact that he came off of a super long layoff, rumor was he was broken and might not even make it to the race. On ideal distance at a mile, way too short for him. Catches a grade one winner at a mile, but a very higher class horse who is, by the way, here at the Breeders' Cup in the mile with a good chance in Master of the Seas. Nothing was shaping up for him to win, and he won a grade one million dollar race at Keeneland on like the biggest day of the year that Keeneland has other than Bluegrass Day. So all of that adding up along with the fact that, yes, he's five to one, but it was only, I think, $18 to add him on my ticket. I've got to have him on there. Mike. I've just I've loved what he's done this year too much to leave him off. I, I I hear you. I don't hate it. Well, we do have one comment in the, the chat here, and I think it's a pretty interesting one. Uh, get smoking. Going to be out of the race. Oh. Who do you think? Who do you think sets the pace here? Oh boy. Well, that kind of changed. I mean, Bolshoi Ballet likes to be uh, closer up. The most of in August, I think, are going to be like mid pack, and I think King of Steel will probably be right there with them as well. Frankie's going to want to keep them within his side. Who do you think's leading? Um, I, I kind of defaulted to the 12 balladeer, um, and, and maybe the one Cheyenne. Yeah. Like those are the two that, that I, I would have next after King smoking. smoking. <laughs> what about, what about Pratt on Adamo? What if Pratt just goes, there is no pace sends Adamo and that son of a bitch wins the Breeders' Cup turf with Adamo. <laughs> I mean, I've, I, we've, we've seen more wild Chad Brown horses decide they want to go get the lead. I think it has to at least be referenced now because there really is not much pace left in this race. And I don't, I mean, I don't think Balladier can wire the field. I think Balladier is probably going to be your speed here. Um, but wired, you know, grade two at, at a mile and a quarter last time out. So at least worth mentioning that, that this is a paceless race now. And uh, you could definitely do crazier things and try and just pick someone to go gate to wire here and take a huge price. Well, see, here's the difference. You're getting a price on Victor Espinosa doing what he's supposed to do on a speed horse in a grade one high, or a big profile graded six I, I race. Knew, I knew you would immediately go after the jockey. It, it is the fastest horse left on. We ain't done. Left. We ain't done picking on him either. We're coming back, Victor. Get ready. <laughs> Burn Train's making another stop. To be fair, I do not think anyone's going to go gate to wire in this race, but I do think it's no. a, a realistic comment from Ron here. Like there is a pace issue here yeah. now because we do not have the six and, and you're going to see a slow pace. You're going to see a lone leader. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and that is true. United did take them a long way last time at the turf. Don't you dare compare Balladier to my beloved United. 
<laughs> but that was a good point. Um, and that is the last time that the Americans had a great showing in this race, right? You had uh, bricks and mortar catching United at the wire mm -hmm. in the 29 turf. Uh, the Appleby had the top. Is it Nation's Pride? Who was that horse he had that year that was supposed to be superb and just completely uh, fell apart? Didn't work yeah. out for him. Anyways, we'll move on. Third leg of the late pick five Saturday, November 4th at Santa Anita Park. The Breeders' Cup Classic. Yeah. Middle leg, that's right, I said it. You have it's a field of 13 entered, scratched down to 12 because we, uh, Archangel of the Rail Horse has retired. However, Mike, you're going like if uh, 18 deep in the 12-horse field. I'd love to hear how that's going to work out for you. Oh, I'm yes, I'm going 18 deep in a 12-horse field. I'm going to have a couple of these <laughs> twice, Magic. Uh, I am going six deep. Yes, that's happening. Um, and it is a lot because the more I dove into this, like, I hate this draw for Arabian Night. And I was I was an Arabian Night fan. We talked about this leading up to it, that I thought that it was going to be a two-year-old dominated race. Go Rocket Ride, obviously out. That changes it a little bit. The post draw for Arabian, Arabian Night, that changes it quite a bit as well. The pace here is going to be fast. You're going to see the 6 and the 12 go. I don't think that Arabian Night can get the lone lead in this spot without using too much. And that's that to me is the key here, where I think Saudi Crown is going to set a fast early pace, and Arabian Night has to decide two things: Do I use early, right? Does Pratt go and say I want to clear Saudi Crown? And if that's the case, you want to get the rail. You're going high twenty twos, low twenty threes to do that. That's going to make it hard to hold on. If he decides I want to try and stalk outside, then all of a sudden Arabian Night's taken out of his game in the toughest field he's ever faced. And for me, the combination of those two makes it so that I like my opinion that Arabian Night was in the best, the best horse in this race has to adjust because I don't like either of those two trips, which I think are the two most likely trips to happen. Yeah, sure. Saudi Crown can miss the break. He goes loose. That could happen too. But that's, you can't, you can't handicap a missed break, right? So yeah. I, I, I'm going to go six deep here because I like quite a few horses in this spot. Um, Oh, I miss I misput one of the numbers. I'm not using Zandon. Don't worry. I'm going to take Zandon out in a second. Uh, give me the 11 bright future on top. 10 to 1 for the Todd Pletcher barn here. Uh, I realize this is a, a little bit of a pivot for me. I thought the bright future had a good chance in the mile. Had he gone there? I went back and watched that last race. I think there is a ton of upside still for bright future. And the 103 buyer last time out. They clearly think a lot of this horse, especially going long. The fact that they put it in the Brooklyn, I thought was really interesting. Horse didn't run a lick there, but then they come back. They run it back in allowance. You get the 100 buyer. The horse looks phenomenal, jumps up into the Jockey Gold Cup, ends up winning that race. And the fact that they show the faith to send this horse into the Breeders' Cup Classic, I think, is absolutely huge. I also love the trip that I project for Bright Future in this. We mentioned how Saudi Crown wants to go, how Arabian Night wants to go. After those two, there's really not that much speed. There's not that many horses that want to be sitting right behind them. I think Bright Future just sits right behind them and gets first run and could be in front a very long time in the stretch. And it's whether or not, you know, A, can he pass Arabian Night? I think Saudi Crown's going to hang it up around the turn. Can he pass Arabian Night, who's been too wide the entire race? And then B, can he hold off the closers? And like a 10 to 1, I'm willing to say yes to both those things for a horse that's clearly improving and a trainer that, that you know, I think is getting aggressive with the placing. And that's a very good sign here. I really like this horse uh, in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, which where you said why they're showing faith sending him here. They got a free trip to come here. I don't know why they wouldn't use it. You've got a four-year-old son of Curlin. Uh, there's similarities to a, a little bit to Vino Rosso in the sense that Vino Rosso was in the Jockey Club Gold Cup 
should have won it. I think he was disqualified, stupidly. Was that the one where he had that happen to him? Uh, but it, it ran impressively there. And then last race, end of his four-year-old year, goes to Breeders' Cup Classic at San Diego wins it. Same owners, same trainer. Uh, Javier Castellano jumps off after the last two, but he was Archangelo's top jockey. Irad Ortiz Jr. not taking the mount back was a little interesting. And then you realize, oh, what if Barrio's in here? So that's why he's off of him. Uh, I don't hate the pick. I was a little surprised you put him on top, though. Uh, where do you think he sits early? Because off of his, like from a pace perspective, his best races, the last two, he was a length off of it. And if he's a length off of Saudi Crown in Arabian Night, he's not making it past the quarter pole. Uh, I think he sits, like, I honestly think the most likely scenario here is the two of them are like four lengths in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like, I don't see anyone who wants to sit in that middle area. Maybe White Barrio wants to sit somewhere around there, but like there's not a ton of horses that are interested in going as fast as those two go. Now, maybe there's a world where the two of them decide we're going to slow it down together and make it a two horse battle. I guess that could happen, but like, I just, I think Arabian Knight wants to lead. And I think that causes a real problem for Sardi Crown, heats up the pace. And I think, Bright Future is able to sit, let's say, five, six off it. And maybe there's one horse in the middle there. And, and if that's the case and he gets first run, I think he's really, really dangerous. And yeah, I realize we're going to be further off the pace than we have before. I understand it's going to be a little bit of a new tactic. But if you go to some of the past races, I mean, he has sat further off the pace than than just being a length off the pace, which we saw in the last two. So I, I think the trip is going to be good. And if they do decide, hey, we're going to slow it down, then that means he's going to be even closer to the two of them turning for home. And I don't mind that either because the tactical speed I think is important. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if Johnny V can can bring her home here at ten to one. And again, the price to me is the other part of this. Like I, mm -hmm. I, you look at way to borrow four to one, I'm not overly excited. You look at Ushba Tesoro four to one, I'm not overly excited. I am going to use both those horses. I think they both have a shot. But ten to one on Dreamlike that that gets me going a little bit, get a little tingly. I understand it. Uh, good points. And again, you're going to get the odds. I just was I was curious what you thought the what his running style would be because if you look at his form he's got to be close or he doesn't win and when he's not close uh he just kind of falls off but um i did make arabian night my top pick in here uh, i was almost i considered singling him i really did i'm just i'm worried saudi crown is just gonna cook him now uh listening to bob baffert and it's it's trainer speak so take it as you will but with arabian night he said if he shows up with his a game i don't care what post he breaks from they're not touching him so that tells me Arabian Nights probably feeling pretty good right now. And we know the history. Bob Baffert only wins the Classic with three-year-olds. The only three-year-olds to win the Classic are Bob Baffert's. So you've got that here in spades with Arabian Night. You're getting Flavian Pratt keeping the mount after the Pacific Classic. Baffert also said one of the problems with the Haskell was that he couldn't get him to rate on the backside. And you remember that. He got caught up in that stupid like 50-to-1 uh, pace duel. And it just it cooked him out and he didn't have anything left. They said for the Pacific Classic, Pratt was able to get him to relax more on the backside. He didn't have a Saudi crown in there, and that's the issue. That's the new thing, right? And that's why I didn't single here, but uh, I did put him on top. You're not in a speed duel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he can get him to track off of it. If if you suddenly saw Arabian Night, by the way, only four career starts. We haven't had a real chance to see this horse try to raid off of somebody on the outside. He was on the inside, I think, when he was in the Haskell. Uh, so maybe that happens here with Saudi crown. I have no faith in Saudi crown getting the mount a quarter against this group. So didn't touch him on my ticket. The other one that I used, I'm using way barrio, man, because of what you said, the only horse who possibly sits in that middle group 
kind of like you know there's the two leaders and then there's yeah. another horse and maybe some like you know derma sotagaki is a long shot's kind of hanging around up there because he broke well for once but then you've got what a barrio and you've got yeah. a gap and you got bright future and everybody else and buscador is going to come up late for fourth but you know that's where i see what a barrio and if you look at i where is it somebody said it in here if you forget the pre-Dutro White of Barrio, he's almost a single in this race because of how he won the Whitney, which is a race that produces classic winners in top classic courses. Uh, I heard John White on the Steve Bick show talking about the fact that uh, the Thorograph number that White of Barrio got, the negative six for winning the Whitney, is the same Thorograph number Flightline got for winning the classic. So it's not just that the buyer was like, hey, this is really a great performance and overblew it. No, Thorograph agreed as well. And so when those two are in agreement, I don't know who I want this to win more, uh, Mike, Bob Baffert or, or Rick Dutrow. I just, you know, pick one out of the hat. That's uh, well, all my I, best I, friends. Yeah, it's all your best friends. I, lo- I love White Barrio. We've talked about this horse a lot. It was on the on the team last year. It's on the belt there. C2 Racing, bunch good dudes. Uh, so I appreciate them as well. And so to me, I'd rather see White Barrio win it than, uh, than Bobby B. And this one, again, to me, like... This race, I think, is wide open. I'm using White Barrio as well. That Whitney was was absolutely phenomenal. I, it's hard to leave the horse off after seeing something like that. Um, and I am going to use Arabian Night because I do think that there's a world where Arabian Night is just the best horse of this this group, right? Because this is, to me, a very wide open race. And Arabian Night, had Arabian Night drawn the three post, I would have probably been singling Arabian Night. If he had drawn inside of Saudi Crown, I probably would have singled Arabian Night because I think they would have tried to rate Saudi Crown. I really do. I mean, I know someone in the chat, uh, it's a little up here before, but said, hey, watch the first race, Saudi Crown rate. I know he can. I think they would have tried if it was on the inside, but it, if he was on the outside. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's on the inside. And I think it's a lot harder to rate from the inside because if you if you think up that trip, okay, so you're going to let Arabian Night clear and then you're going to swing too wide on the first turn and then chase him around the track. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster, right? So I don't see that the, being, the, being the strategy here. Um, I'm going to use Ushba Tesoro too. And this is this is one where we talked about those horses sitting in that next pack. Ushba Tesoro probably going to be behind Bright Future. I think this horse could be the legit. I mean, we've seen this horse be able to have success in Japan. We've seen this horse have success uh, in Saudi Arabia as well. If this thing starts to fall apart a little bit, Ushba Tesoro has to be a player here, right? Because he is has the talent. Now, I know you're going to tell me about the gate issues that he's had, and that's obviously a big concern with what's happened since he got to America. I mean, he spent 10 minutes trying to go into the gate earlier this week for a workout, but there was never any of that trouble any other race. And so you kind of wonder if it was just something about the racetrack that day, if it was something about the workout style, what was going on, the new surroundings, whatever it was. But this isn't a horse that's ever had trouble getting in the gate or getting out of the gate. And so I'm not going to just assume because there was one issue on a certain Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever it was at Santa Anita that on a race day. Today's Wednesday whatever it could have been last week uh that on a race day this horse is just not going to be able to to get out of the gate so i respect ushba tesoro quite a bit i'm going to include the eight as well so so far i'm two three ten eleven and twelve are you going any deeper or are you already done magic no just the two okay yeah so i'll talk I'm... about ushba can i talk about ushba tesoro real quick i'll reference because there was an i have an update for you but monday morning was the issue um spent about eight ten minutes trying to school at the gate with him on at this seven furlong shoot and it did not go well uh, at all so they brought him back today this morning they did it when before the sun came up which was smart because it was really hard for us to see if something was going bad but uh he wasn't he wasn't perfect but he was much 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 better back there um so i would you'll probably see him do it one more time with him uh tomorrow or friday just to 
get him used to it again. But part of the issue is that we've heard this before. The American stalls are just slightly narrower than what the international stalls are, which is just makes maybe because it's metric versus uh, the like feet and inches when they design no, it. I don't know. Because horse but, racing is dumb. That's okay. It's also, I mean, I was trying to, yeah, some, there's no dumber reason than it's just, it's horse racing, but, uh, he is just a big horse. He's massive. He's six years old. He's very well filled out. And so he was having problems getting in there and, and, and feeling claustrophobic. And I get it. I understand. So, uh, but I thought he looked a lot better and the way he's trained, Mike, just seeing him on the track, he's just a hulking specimen. He's so beautiful when he moves. So, um, I'm not going to be, well, if I lose out on a big, huge cash on this, I'm going to be upset. But, uh, if he wins, it wouldn't be a huge surprise. No, I don't, I don't think it would be. I don't think it should be. And we've seen these Japanese horses do very well all over the world, including at the Breeders' Cup a couple years back. So I think you have to respect Ushba Tesoro. Don't respect Dermasotagate. Uh, that's okay if you don't want to, because he hasn't run since the Derby. I still am shocked this horse is in this race. Uh, two others I'm using. I'm going full pace collapse here in case like this thing just turns into a shit show because Arabian Night and Saudi Crown go and then all of a sudden White Abario and Dreamlike decide or Bright Future decide they want to both be right there at the pace and this thing cooks up and all of a sudden you got two horses just flying from the back. And that would be the nine, Senor Buscador and the 10, Dreamlike. So I'm going to use both of these at 30 to 1 here to try and get a absolutely monster price here in the Classic because there is a world where they are both very, very relevant when it comes to the final wire. Dream like last time at Parks, I thought ran really well in the, the Parks Derby, especially considering Saudi Crown had that race his own way the entire time around on a speed-favoring track. The fact that uh, Dreamlike was still able to close from seven lengths back in ninth and just missed by half length, I thought was really impressive. Ir Miracolo, who runs third in that race, came back, ran well last weekend, so that kind of flatters that race as well. I think Dreamlike is going to be chugging. I actually don't think Dreamlike is going to be 30 to 1 when they break from the gate, but I'll, I'll give Dreamlike a chance here. And then Senor Buscador. Yeah, I get it. It's Senor Buscador. Ha ha ha. Guess what? He ran really well in the San Diego to win. Uh, beat Slowdown Andy that day. Ran well against Arabian Night, Go Rocket Ride, and Slowdown Andy in the Grade 1 Pacific Classic. I thought ran okay considering what the setup was in the awesome again with a faster setup going the mile and a quarter. I'm hoping Senor Buscador can clip him late here. And I, again, I'm going six deep so i'm willing to take a couple shots here at 30 to ones uh listen you're taking shots with 31 so i won't tell you that they're bad i don't see the pace collapsing uh enough to get those horses to get up there at a mile and a quarter not not in the classic if this was like the the big cap or the the hollywood gold cup or something like that sure but not not in this race well, um let me frame this yeah too. if arabian night is a Good, but not great horse. This is a pretty weak field, right? Uh, yes. I mean, there's just... With there's... The, the War of Attrition, no Archangelo, no Practical Move, no Forte, no Mage, I mean, National Treasures in the Dirt Mile. I mean, this isn't, this isn't world beaters here. And if Arabian Knight isn't that, if he isn't that guy, and we don't know yet, he could be. We don't know yet, though. But if he isn't that guy, I am not scared of a single horse in this race which means that any horse has a chance to win this race if you go from that perspective. If Archangelo was in this, I would not be six deep because Archangelo covers Senor Buscador, dreamlike, right? Like, he gets the trip, he beats those horses. But without Archangelo in here, like, if it collapses, Zandon's the horse I have to beat, right? Like, so for me, this is just, I, I don't, if you're, if you're a little 
hesitant to say White Barrio is as good as he's been in the last two races, which I am, and you're a little hesitant to say Arabian Knight is a superstar, which I am, this race is wide open. Uh, a lot of people talking about Proxy. Proxy, to me, is an automatic pass in every single grade one that he's ever been in, and the only time I was wrong, he beat, barely, West Willpower, and Folsom was third in that race. Last Samurai, uh, who just, you know, magically popped him for a couple of races in the spring and then disappeared again. Uh, Proxy's a Johnny Tryhard, and, you know, he's racked up to almost two and a quarter million dollars at this point. It's a great horse. Yep. I don't think he's winning the Breeders' Cup Classic. What what buyer do you think wins this race? Oh, uh, well, it's the classic. Uh one oh meaning it might probably be inflated. Uh, you know what? Maybe like a one oh eight. How many horses do you oh, think run a one oh eight? Is it just a barrio? It's just a barrio. <laughs> okay. Back to, hey, this field may not be that good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and okay. So the, another argument I have for Arabian Night is we've said for all summer and into the fall, the three-year-olds are better than the older horses. Agreed. This is the best three-year-old that's Agreed. left. <laughs> yeah. If it, again, if Arabian Night drew inside a soggy crown, I would most I would. There's mm -hmm. a real chance I'm singling Arabian Night and not having a big bet on Arabian Night in the BCBC because of this is where we drew. This to me is a take your shots race now because it, it just it really messed up the flow of it. And it like I know people coming 108, 106, like it's 110 from Wayda Barrio, 106 from Wayda Barrio, and then we're like at 103. It's it's a pretty significant drop. And like Arabian, and I realize you know, buyers aren't end all be all, so don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is just the only way you should handicap, but every single horse in this field would have to improve unless Duckman is right and it's the slowest classic ever. Every single horse in this field would have to improve, except for Wayda Barrio, to be able to win the race. And you have to <laughs> kind of keep that in mind, right? Where, like, if you're looking for a middling hundred, man, it's got to be – It's it's there's not that many out there. I mean, Saudi Crown's 105, I think, is the third highest buyer in this field. So, you know, to me, it's just, it just – it makes it very, very difficult to say, yes, this is a slam dunk race. Because you are using – rarely do you have to project improvement. For every horse that you're going to make an argument for in the Breeders' Cup Classic to win, it's just crazy. Yeah, way to burrow in a seven furlong allowance. Hey, listen, Nick's go is at Prairie Meadows at two starts, one or two starts before the Classic. Okay, listen. Uh, okay, but, but you Nick's come from go all over. Had, Nick's go also had like a, a an absolute amazing body of work going into that race, though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever you, I'm not even gonna say what. Let's you just said see how right. good that body looks, shall we? He's sitting right here for us. Hey, remember that take time a look we had at three to one on Nick's go in the classic. Uh, Mike Samich remembers. Pepperidge Farm remembers. Mike, we still got two races to go. This is the problem with having the turf. The classic is the middle race here. We got two more. The penultimate take a drink leg of the late pick five at the Breeders' Cup on Saturday, November fourth. This is the turf sprint. It's a million dollar purse. Uh, race 10, 12 males and females, three and up, and four also eligible is trying to get in here. Uh, I ended up going three deep here, and I was a, a little surprised with a couple of the horses that I ended up going with. Where'd you go on top? I've been talking about this horse for a while. Give me uh, Live in the Dream as the top pick here, the five horse, nine to two morning line. I think this is your speed of the speed. I think the five furlongs makes all the difference in the world, and I think someone smacked Kareen on the side of the head after that Keeneland race and said, hey, buddy. You don't need to go 20-43 to get the lead here. You can go a little bit slower, and then you'll have something left in the tank late. 
Uh, I love the setup here. I think that the five is easily able to clear Caravel, which makes Caravel's race a lot more difficult in this spot. Um, so I, to me, this is a five shot at going wire to wire. Give me living the dream on top. Not my top pick, but did make the ticket. And uh, I, I thought I was going to be against this horse because of that Keelan race. And then I suddenly hit me. We're going five furlongs. Mm-hmm. That was five and a half furlong race. I went back and watched. Mm-hmm. He was still clear at the eighth mm-hmm. pole. That last that last half furlong, it got him, Mike. So, yeah. You've got to hope that both he and his jockey, who's uh, retaining, but is international. you got to hope that they learn from that. Um, he, I like to rewatching the replay. He broke from post two, so he had like 10 horses to his outside. And he wasn't straight out of the gate on that, but he rushed up. He wasn't intimidated. And he had to deal with some stupid pace pressure by a horse that finished last. And it wasn't close to the next horse. So uh, all good things for living the dream. And you got to like that he finished fourth there because we're getting nine to two on him here you wouldn't get anything close to that uh my top pick might be fighting with him for superiority on the front end and i'm not putting him on just because of the name but give me number seven no balls you got no balls if you don't have no balls on your ticket uh he's got the early speed he's got class he's drawn outside of living the dream so uh he can play the break very well he's proven in these american-based turf sprints which is kind of an edge up on living the dream living the dream wasn't terrible but no balls is proven on this stage here is he he is it's no balls he won one race at 38 to one and he has not been proven since then he hasn't beaten any and then he won an indiana grand and then yep. he missed Thank you. he, Thank he you got caught he got caught at five and a half we're going five he got caught late yeah. by at five and a half by cockburn. cockburn on soft ground and then he came back and he won last out at colonial colonial is a fine one of the finer turf courses in america mike definitely better than churchill yeah and who did he beat last time out uh, he beats SuperQuest, the All-American okay. SuperQuest. Yeah, so your your argument is he looked really good winning overnight stakes, and now he's in the Breeders' Cup spread. My <laughs> argument is he is flipping fast, and he breaks well, and they're going five furlongs, and you're going to have to be really fast to even keep up with him. Well, he's not the fastest horse in the race, though. We'll see. We'll Who are you going see. with elsewhere? <laughs> uh, second pick, give me the inside. I can't believe we're getting 15 to 1 on Big Invasion. Um, look, this is a horse which has been very, very good for a long time, but never seemed to be able to get the, the big win home. Uh, ran well in the Jiper, lost to Caravel uh, early, or in, earlier this year. Came back at Saratoga, looked okay, but I thought that the last race was very, very good. You could say, oh, well, you know, the six furlongs, he wins at one at six, we're going five. Six for nine at five furlongs. This horse loves the five furlong distance, has tactical speed. I actually really like the inside draw because I don't think we're going to get shuffled back with that tactical speed. Don't screw me, Joel. This is the, like, do not mess with this ride. Just send him up with that early rush and hold the rail so you don't have to weave through traffic. That's the big key here is, will Joel mess this up? He had a really nice that was ride. in the chat. Will Joel Rosario mess up the ride on Big Invasion? He had a really nice ride last week. There was one that I got two texts from people saying, hey, did you see that Joel ride? I said, yes, I did. It was phenomenal. Do it again next Saturday. Uh, uh... I, the price here is right. I think Big Invasion has a big shot in here. Has tactical speed. There's enough speed in here where if you do see horses like Living the Dream and No Balls come back, Caravel come back, Big Invasion will be rolling. And the inside post, it is a good thing. At Santa Anita, you talked about this. The one and two posts at Santa Anita and Turf Sprints dominated that course for quite a while. So we're hoping we can get something going here with Big Invasion with the 15 to 1 price. Every now and then, he is an elite jockey. Let's do it here in the Turf Sprint, baby. Oh, honey. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have Shadi in the chat. 
Uh, no, I, I didn't. I did consider this horse. I think it's just too deep um, to use him here. But he is. I mean, we've liked this horse for a long time as a turf sprinter. Um, did you didn't have no balls on your ticket? I'm guessing. No, I left him off. Okay, that's fine. Uh, for me, the next one, I went three deep. I'll talk about the last one. I drafted him. I do like him. The eleven, Jasper Crone, twelve to one for the Japanese contingent. Uh, possesses quick early speed if you watch his replays he's outside of the five and the seven the jockey can play the break see what he wants to do one four of six turf sprints in japan this year including two different times in a five hundred thousand dollar stakes races both of those were over firm going it was nice to see how well he did on that last time out he was a pretty good fourth uh, of 16 by two lengths is a 2.2 million dollar group one race that's the japanese equivalent of this race and he was fourth he was very close in that spot uh, so if one of the top turf sprinters from Japan comes over here, I'm going to give him a shot at 12 to one. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk you off it, so I'm not going to, not going to knock it. I don't, I don't like this horse as much as you do, but I understand why you do. Um, for me, the next one was the two Brad sell. There's another mm-hmm. one coming over from Europe, Europe. Uh, if you go back, you watch the replays, this horse has been prominent or mid pack the mass majority of his career. So should have some tactical speed, uh, ran really well to back behind live in the dream is going to need to get the trip here, uh, and get, need to be able to close in on the speed. But I think, I think Brad sells the European horse. is going to get a little bit, uh, underrated here in this spot. So I'll take a little bit of piece of the two. Yeah, I looked at this horse. Uh, I would like it better if we had Holly Doyle ride. I know that she's gotten her, herself in some trouble, uh, so she got a riding suspension. Uh, and our our man on the seat, you weren't with uh, Aaron and I when we had the post draw initially for this race. We had an expert in the UK, uh, Luke Rawson, I believe, who was giving us information on a lot of the horses and jockeys, and he said this is an absolutely terrible jockey booking. So I thought, all right, that guy knows a lot more about the jockeys over there that aren't named Ryan Moore and Frankie Dettori than me. So, yeah, I'll listen to him here. Uh, I do know that Holly Doyle is fantastic and a, a world-class rider, and it is sad that she didn't be able to get the Breeders' Cup this year. Yeah, it is a bummer. I, I would have been nice to see her in there. Uh, I'm going to go two, use two other horses in here. I'm going to have five deep in this spot, which means I'm single in next leg, buddy. Uh, give me Rose for <laughs> Deborah. The other Christoph Clement horse draws the nine post. I know the barn is super high on this horse. They think the world of her. I'm sorry. They think the world of him. No, her. Yeah, Rose for Deborah. Uh, it, they think the world of her. The race two back at Saratoga, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. She's stepping up in class big time. That's the one real concern here. But if she's able to continue to to kind of come into form and she's able to replicate that race two back, she's got tactical speed. She should be able to stalk. I think she's got a, a big shot here. And then it seems like every time we're in California, specifically at Santa Anita, California horses matter. That means Tony Ann or Motorious are going to be part of this. Um, I love Tony Ann. I know the barn loves Tony Ann. There's not a race on paper where Tony Ann's competitive with this field, but there is with Motorious. So I'll go with the 10 horse Motorious on the ticket as well. Motorious was the last one off for me. Uh, I thought five furlongs wasn't his best game. And that's why if this was the original turf sprint down the hill, six and a half furlongs, hell yeah, he's on the ticket. This horse loves that course. So uh, I do like the Pratt's picking up the mount. Um, I probably would have wanted better than five to one, but I think this horse's price will creep up a little bit because of Brad Sell, because of Caravel, because of living the dream. Uh, even maybe, no, I don't think Jasper Kone is going to take much attention, but there are enough horses that maybe you get a little bit better price on it, especially when it comes to the multis, Mike. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. And this is, I mean, this is a notoriously a race people go deep in. So I think you are going to see people spread. I do think Arzark gets some love as well. I don't love him from the 12 post. I think that's a tough draw. Um, but I, I, you know, we'll see what this, this ends up from a price perspective based on the morning line. I mean, you can see how wide open it is. You got three, five to ones and a nine to two as your co four favorites, essentially. 
<laughs> All right, here we go. The fifth and final leg of the late pick five at the Breeders' Cup on Saturday, November 4th, race 11. It's the sprint, a race that's always shows up with a great effort, even if we only had nine horses hit the entry box here. But you've got at least three, four great horses in this spot. Six furlongs, $2 million purse, nine males, three and up. Top pick, a.k.a. yo single. Yep. Single me up to Speedboat Beach, baby. I've been talking about this horse for, I don't know, a month. And the draw comes out, the, po the past performances come out, and everything that I felt just kind of got validated. Uh, I realize it's very hard to go gate to wire in the sprint. It's one of the, the trends that Jared says, do not play speed horses. This is the first time we're going to have a lone speed horse in the sprint. And the more I dive into it, the more I think Speedboat Beach is gone. I mean, Dr. Shival and Gunite are the two horses that have speed in here outside of Speedboat Beach. Dr. Scheibel doesn't want the lead. He's going to he's going to pock it up. Gunite will defer. We've seen it consistently happen. We'll defer if he's outside speed. I think Speedboat Beach goes, gets loose, and wires this field. And I I don't think it's going to be even that close. I mean, to me, it's it's the four outside horses that have a shot here. I think Speedboat Beach is the one that gets loose and goes. And so single me up to a three to one shot, second choice on the board, Speedboat Beach to close this out. Listen. I went into this going, I, I am a firm, and this, I truly am a firm believer in the 14 trends to a point. Like, I really put a lot of stock into it. It doesn't automatically dictate how I bet, but the 14 trends, some of them are very, very strong, including this angle here. Only twice, I think, in the last 20 years, this is uh, it's gone gate to wire. I think you might be right. I think we might have a third time, Mike. I put him on my table. The very last horse uh, to go on my ticket initially when I looked at this, and I added up to the market very late in the game, but... Second off of a long layoff, off of a race that he very clearly should have won by open links. You switch to a better jockey. Um, Rodney, I, I love Rodney's enthusiasm. I can't keep putting your comments. I don't know how they're getting through. I need to change the filter on the YouTube comment section. Rodney's getting through with a lot of interesting words here. But no, he loves Speedboat Beach. You love Speedboat Beach. I'm going to use him here. I can't single him like the two of you were doing because I just don't know that Mike Smith is going to do exactly what he's supposed to do. I... I I want to say he will, and I believe it enough to use him. But if he doesn't, if he somehow lets some uh, other horse get out to the lead or gets sucked into a pace duel, I'm afraid he's going to get cooked late. And I think it sets up well for Elite Power, who's going to be coming from off the pace. He's got the sharpest turn of foot at six furlongs on dirt in the world. Yep. And I think your Gun Knight is going to be right behind that pace and get first run. And we saw last time out, granted it was seven furlongs, which is better for Gun Knight than Elite Power. Gunite can beat Elite Power and hold him off. And those horses remember that they've shown up against each other so many times this year. You don't think Gunite remembers? Like, I beat you. you son of a, I'm going to keep you back behind me again here. So uh, I went seven, eight, nine here. Uh, it's chalking out. But I think these are very clearly the three best horses in this race. It's just a matter of how does the pace play? We'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was seven, nine, eight, six for my top four. So I, I agree with you on the top three. Um, but I just I top think, four. We agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think Speedbo Beach has the advantage early here. And, and I'm I think the classic is wildly difficult. I think the turf sprint could reduce the price. I want to spread a little bit in the first race. You got a single somewhere. And to me, this was this was my biggest opinion in the five races. Let's talk about the six real quick here. The chosen Vron, because uh, I, I have been impressed with how he's looked and he did beat Dr. Shival, uh, who beats people at beach last time out. So he he loves San Anita. He loves this distance. And I saw some Kim ask earlier. Uh, he looked great this morning. He's a beautiful looking horse. He loves to go out there and train and do his job. Uh, I'm not scared of him in the sense of winning. I'm just worried that from a pace perspective, he might screw things up uh, up front or, or, or cause some traffic trouble for Gunite, maybe. 
Yeah, maybe for Gunn. I think he's going to sit behind Speedboat Beach. I, I respect him. I think this is just a, a cut above where he can compete. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about Saturday's Breeders' Cup Late Pick 5. That's races 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, Distaff, Turf, Classics, Turf, Sprint, and the Sprint. Uh, if you are listening to the audio, we will give out our tickets one last time. If you're watching us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, thanks for joining us. Hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got all sorts of Breeders' Cup coverage coming throughout the week and weekend, and we'll be live uh, several, several times throughout. So hit the notification bell as well. Here are our tickets. We both have $90 tickets for 50 cents, just structured a little differently. I'll go first. I've got 3-9 with 2-5-8-9-11, and close out 7-8-9. Mr. Samich. I'm going to play a 50-cent ticket. Give me 3-4-7 with 5-9 with 3-8-9-10-11-12 with 1-2-5-9-10 and single the 7 to get her home for 90 bucks. Uh, Rodney asked, did Inspo give you naval vibes? I haven't seen her up close, so not yet, but Frankie DeTori was a boarder when she was on the turf course this morning, and she was the very first horse out there. Uh, so that, to me, said a lot. And King of Steel was right behind them, and the fact that DeTori was on Inspo, yeah, you gotta like that. Uh, we'll see, Shai's gonna see everybody but me tomorrow. I will see everybody Friday. Uh, if you're gonna be at the Breeders' Cup, we would love to see you. Uh, let us know if you're gonna be there. Uh, send us an email, contact at Racing Dudes. Hit up the corporate overlords at Racing underscore Dudes on Twitter or on Facebook. Let us know you're there. We'd love to meet you, take a picture, hang out, have a drink, talk horses, and hopefully cash some bets with you. So uh, we'd love to see that. Uh, I know you got to get out of here, Mike. Any final thoughts before we go? I am as excited for this Breeders' Cup as I have been in years. Like this, I cannot wait for these two days of races. Phenomenal betting card. I like to me, this is going to be a lot of fun. We get some stars, but we don't have those those just bad betting races because of it. This is going to be an absolute blast. Can't wait to be out there on Friday. Rodney's going to be there. That's exciting. Rodney, I want to meet you, man. Uh, really excited to uh, meet you if you're there, if you want to. So I won't pressure you. Rodney's like, I'm going to be there, but I, I don't want to see magic. Y'all can, can suck that. Uh, Ed asked, are we live this weekend? We'll be live Thursday night covering Friday's races. Friday night covering Saturday's races. Maybe Saturday night. That's usually the wild card. How are we feeling and, and how drunk do we feel like we need to get? So that's the question. Um, and then Shadi is going to be there. She's going to be handling a lot of social stuff for us, posting a little quick videos to the YouTube channel, uh, on Instagram, on the TikTok. We have a TikTok now. This is what happens when you bring in somebody that knows what the hell a TikTok is. So, yeah, I know. I don't even have a TikTok. Follow but follow the Racing News TikTok, and we'll have uh, Shadi is going to be running that this weekend. Lots of great exclusive content uh gonna be over there and then i saw one last thing oh yes speaking of shoddy uh shoddy that we all know is the biggest fan in the world of practical moves she made a video this morning and i encouraged her to post it so it's on the youtube channel uh so go take a look it's a minute minute and a half nice little uh tribute from from shoddy the, the biggest fan of practical moves so uh on that note take that look we'll do some bull shots this week good luck everybody any other thoughts mike nope Oh, Aaron, Aaron's show. Dudes who bet uh, sports. They're coming up live here in just a few minutes. So completely change of pace. Instead of Breeders' Cup, we're going to talk college football and NFL. So you got your football done. We'll see you for that. Uh, until, well, shit, until Thursday for the next Racing Dudes thing. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. We'll see you at the Breeders' Cup. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.